All right, well, good evening. It's time to begin our service, and we're delighted for everybody that's able to be out, and for those that are at home joining us, we're glad to have you. And uh, anyway, our study tonight will be about Job, and so open your books, uh, your Bibles to the book of Job, the book of Job, and mostly we'll be kind of covering chapters 1 and 2 as we sort of kind of look at this character, and uh, just a great man. I mean, he, 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 he just he's just great, and and uh, anyway, so that's where we're going to be, and that's going to be our study, and so hopefully we'll all be benefit as we think about Job and study about Job and the kind of things that he went through and, and how he showed great patience and steadfastness, and, and that, of course, is the, the great lesson that we gain from him. All right, we begin here in chapter 1, and we're introduced to Job in the first five verses. talks about his character and the blessings that he had received of the Lord. In verse 1 it says, There was a man in the land of us, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one that feared God and turned away from evil. Some translation says perfect, and when you read in the Bible about somebody being perfect, it doesn't mean absolutely sinless, because there is none, but that ideal mature and, and just uh, a well-rounded type personality. <clears throat> and this is, of course, how God describes him, and when God's in this conversation with Satan, he's going to also use this language, the, the very same language about Job, and that he was upright, and that he turned from evil. He wasn't the one to, to go into evil and wrongdoing there. <clears throat> in verses 4 and 5 it says, And his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone on his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their blessings were finished that Job uh, were finished. The days of their feasting were finished that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, "It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts." Thus did Job continually. And this is why we conclude that Job was a patriarch. Patriarch means father rule. That is, he was of uh, a person that was sort of ruling and, and uh, directing the, uh, the worship of the family. And that's why we uh, think that Job was a patriarch as he offered this worship. And so he was a very religious man, worshiping God, giving sacrifice uh, to God, and, and conscious about sin and wrongdoing, etc. We continue on there in verse 2. It talks about his family, and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. So, big family, ten kids, and uh, certainly a blessing. You don't see that very often anymore, uh, a family with ten kids. Sometimes you do, but uh, not many, but certainly was a great blessing to have ten children. We read about his wealth in verse 3. And his possessions also were 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 female donkeys and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. Sometimes you just sort of read that and you don't think much about that, but when you contemplate all these animals, that represents a lot of money. You think about 7,000 sheep. Used to be around people, more people that farm and and kind of the prices. So I'm just guessing, but I calculate that sheep run about a hundred dollars an animal. Could be more, depend. Uh, yeah, I mean, just sheep for to, to raise sheep. Sometimes you get into the 
the breeder stock, and you know prices are real high. But we'll say a hundred hundred dollars per sheep. You got seven thousand. That represents seven hundred thousand dollars. Well, that, that's a big chunk of money. It talks about that he had 3,000 camels. Now, camels in the Old Testament, as in the New Testament days, they were kind of like the, you know, the Ford F-150 work, work vehicles. You know, I mean, they just, they use camels. They, in the desert area, I mean, camels, they, they were valuable animals. And pretty big size. They're well, actually different sizes. Some have two humps, some have one, one hump. But they are, they are made to, to, to thrive in the dry and heat of the desert and valuable, and I'm guessing a thousand, maybe it might be more than that, but we'll just round it off a thousand. A thousand. So you got three thousand camels. That that represents three million dollars. That's a lot of money. Then it talks about he had five hundred yoke of oxen. A yoke would be a pair. The yoke ties two animals together. So if you have five hundred, you got a thousand oxen. If you count an oxen. Uh, approximately 1000 per annual. That that represents a million dollars. And then it talks about he had five uh, 500 female donkeys. Well, depending what size, we'll just say $600. So that represents $300,000. And you add all that up, that's like $5 million. So he was a very well-to-do man. And also it talks about that he had a very great household. That is, he had lots of servants. Helping with all these animals. I mean, you, you look at, you count all that, that's 10,000, 11,000 animals here. You add all them up. No, no, uh, 11,500 uh, yoke is uh, 1,000 animals. So you got 11,500 animals. Well, that'd be a lot for just one fella. And so he had uh, a lot of, a lot of helpers, a lot of domestic servants and people to help. I remember talking to a fella over in Campbellsville. He, he, he had a couple of uh, famous recipe uh, restaurants, and he said the, 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 the main thing of running a good business is good help. Because if you only get help, you, if you get bad help, I mean, it'll just kill your business. But he was highly successful, and he had good help. Run a, the one in Danville was his uh, main one, and he finally got rid of the other two and just focused on that one. But Jay Paul, he did, has done quite well, but it's because you had good help. And so you got that in mind also that here you got Job, he's got all this good help. And, you know, you kind of build relationships with people like that. So, I mean, very well to do. Just a very thriving businessman in his uh, uh, farming operations there. And has a lot of money. Five million dollars. I mean, today is still a lot of money. And you can do a lot of things. All right. We continue on in the study of Job. And we see that Satan, he slanders. That's really kind of the idea of, of, of the idea of the term Satan and the devil is to slander an adversary. An adversary is somebody that's against, and when he's against people, he slanders. And that's what we see beginning there in verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Several suggest these are meeting of angels, uh, Seems to be the best explanation. Maybe you have a different explanation, but somehow there's this presentation there before the Lord with the, with the angels here and uh, uh, described as the sons of God. And Satan comes also. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence come you? Then Satan answered the Lord uh, answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. 
reminds you of what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, that, that, that Satan, he's the prince of the power of the air. And so he goes about the earth and uh, working mischief and bringing problems and havoc upon people. In verse 8 it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a blameless and upright man, one that fears God and turns away from evil. Now when God gives an assessment of somebody, it's an accurate assessment. You know, human beings, we sometimes kind of go both directions. Sometimes we give an honest, fair assessment. Sometimes we sort of like people and maybe we kind of go a little bit overboard and and speak uh, better than really what people are. And then sometimes if you kind of don't like them, then you sort of kind of speak less than really what they are. But when God says, this is the way Job is, that's the way Job is. I mean, he just, he calls a spade a spade. I mean, that's one of the things that's incredible, and I think evidence for inspiration is that when you're reading through the Scriptures and you read about these very various characters, I mean, God just calls it like it is. He calls a spade a spade. You know, He calls David a man after my own heart, but then when David commits sin and all the transgressions with Bathsheba, I mean, He just calls it just like it is. And that shows the integrity and, and I believe, the inspiration of the Scriptures. <clears throat> then Satan answered, uh, verse 9, uh, answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? You, you think Job is just doing this because he, you know, he wants to do it? I mean, do you think he's just doing it for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him? I mean, you've kind of built this wall of protection about his house and all that he has on every side. Every side. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and increased in the land. You just sort of, you're just kind of paying Job off. That, that was... That was slander. That was false and malicious, just throwing off on Job. When really he, he was. He had great integrity. He, he loved God. He served God. And he served God because it was the right thing to do. Yeah, he was blessed financially. I mean, you got $5 million. You're highly successful as a farmer. You got, you got a big family. You got lots of good servants. Everything's going great. But that's not the reason he served God was for money. The reason he served God because he loved God. It was the right thing to do. It's the good thing to do. The thing we ought to do. It's who we are of our character. That, that's how we ought to be in loving and serving God. So Satan says, put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse you to the face. I mean, he's just going to raise his fist and shake his fist and say, I don't believe you and spit in your face and just curse you and blah, 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 blah. Simply slander of Satan. Verse 12, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon himself put not forth your hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now, I think it would probably be worthwhile to look at a couple of verses in connection with this. Because sometimes tragedies and problems and heartaches come uh, people's ways. And we, we want to blame God. And, you know, it's God. God God brought this upon me. And God did this. And God did that. Well, God allowed Satan to do the things that takes place in chapter 1 and chapter 2. All these tragedies that befall him. It's what God permitted Satan to do. The one who is the instigator bringing the tragedies upon, upon Job in his life is, is from the devil. In the book of Luke chapter 13... <clears throat> 
And in verse 16, it talks about this woman bound uh, for these 18 years. It says there in uh, verse 16, uh, Oh, not this, uh, uh, this woman, uh, being the, the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound. Whom Satan hath bound. You see, the, the instigator that brought the problem upon the woman was Satan. And then over in the book of Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, uh, when you read the, the, the uh, Peter there at the house of Cornelius and talking about how Jesus went about preaching the gospel and doing good, etc. there. It says in verse, uh, verse uh, 38, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You see, the oppression that came upon Job emanated from Satan. God allowed it, but it emanated from Satan. Or you can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, another passage, the, Paul's thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. And so God allows Satan sometimes to do certain things, but he puts limits. And say, so, okay, now you can touch, you can touch some things that had, but you can't touch Job. Satan's game for it. If he can bring mayhem, it's kind of like that commercial, you know, the mayhem, you know, the insurance commercial, state farm, whatever. You know, mayhem, and that guy's always, you know, creating problems and accidents and wrecks. Well, that's the way Satan is. He, he's ready to create mayhem for people. It's like, oh, yeah, he's going to jump at it. And so it says in verse 13, And there was a day when the sons and his daughters were eating and drinking and wine in their house, in the elder, elder brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell among uh, uh, upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone escaped to tell you. So here's like $1.3 million, boom, down the drain. Good service, boom, slain. One fellow escapes to tell Job about that. Verse 16. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God hath fallen from heaven and has burned up the sheep and, and the servants are consume, uh, uh, and consumed them. And I alone escaped to tell you. Another big loss. Losing all these sheep. 7,000 sheep. $700,000. Bam. Down. There's good workers. Bam. They're gone also. Verse 17, while he yet uh, was speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone escaped to tell you. Three, three million dollars, bam, just lost, just like that. These Chaldeans come and took them away and, and killed the servants. And again, you know, if you run a business, it's hard sometimes to get good help. And here he's losing all his helpers. Verse 18. And while he yet speaking, there came yet an, uh, also another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And behold, there came uh, a great wind from uh, the, the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I alone escaped to tell you. Yeah, I'm a little bit behind here on the PowerPoint. So all these things are taken away. I mean, bam, bam, bam. All these tragedies are happening here upon Job. And all the problems that, that are coming. And you think the financial loss, the loss of good help, 
But then to lose all your kids. Oh, what, 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 what pain. What pain was upon him. I mean, you lose all your living. You lose all your kids. All this tragedy has befell him. And what's Job's reaction to all this? Uh, to me, this is very impressive. Look at verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his mantle. That was a sign of, of sorrow and sadness. And Job arose and tore his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and just wept and cried and, and uh, you know, cursed God, forgot God. No. This is impressive. He worships. He worships the Lord. He keeps, keeps his faith in God. He keeps his integrity in God. I mean, sometimes tragedies happen with people, and what do they do? They want to blame God, and God brought this upon me, and I don't know why God brought this upon me. I don't know why God's doing this to me. And on and on and on, just blaming God, and just, and, oh, God just wanted to take him away, and, and, and using all this kind of language. But no, he worshiped God. That's impressive. That is really impressive. And said, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God with wrong. He didn't have sour grapes against God. And just to, to, to blame God and be bitter against God. It happens. There are people, tragedies happen, and they become bitter. And they just curse God. They hate God. They, they don't want to serve God no more. Don't even want to think about God. Blame the Lord for all this. But not Job. He recognized the fact that, you know, I came naked into this world. I came with nothing. In the words of Paul. You know, we come with nothing. And we leave with nothing. I mean, that, isn't that the reality of life? Yeah, it is. I was there when our four sons were born. They come with absolutely nothing. And that's for all of us. We come with nothing. When little baby Gertie was born here a couple months ago, she come with nothing. Had no jewelry on. Had no coins in her hand. Had no clothes on. Had nothing. No food in her hand. That's the way babies come. They come with nothing. And that's the way we leave. And Job recognized that. And so just be thankful. Just keep trusting in God. Don't understand it. Don't see why. And you know, that's, that's something that, you know, we read the book of Job. And we see what was going on behind the scenes. It kind of, kind of makes sense. There was this cosmic conflict that was going on between God and Satan. Job wasn't privy to, to, to understand that. I mean, if he would have understood it, maybe it would have been a little bit better for him. He's kind of in the dark on it. He's just sort of wondering, where, where's God? I'm, he, he's trusting God. He doesn't give up his faith in God. He, he, he believes in the Lord and, and that God's going to do the right thing always. And so he does. But he doesn't, he doesn't charge God. He doesn't get bitter against God. And that's always the goal for Satan. I mean, when Satan brings trials and tribulations, he wants us to just hey, throw in the town. Figurative in boxing, you know, if you're in there and you're getting pulverized, your trainer throws in the towel and says, hey, we surrender. And that's what Satan wants. He wants us just to surrender. Give it up. Just throw in the towel. Just, just say, I quit. You know, I surrender to Satan. Satan's the winner. But not Job. No, he maintains his integrity. He maintains his faith, his steadfastness. He's, he demonstrates patience and, and perseverance to keep his faith in the Lord. All right, we come to chapter 2. 
bunch of tragedies already fell. There's going to be more pain that's going to come in verse 1. And again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence come you? And Satan answered uh, the Lord and said, From going to and fro uh, and from uh, walking up and down in the, uh, uh, up and down in it. Again, kind of the same scenario. And the Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a blameless and upright man, one that fears God and turns away from evil? That was Job. He was good. He was a good person. He loved what? He loved the Lord. He loved what was right. He loved doing the right thing. Didn't like the bad things. He, he avoided the bad things. And still he holds fast his integrity, although you move me against him to destroy him without a cause. Now, sometimes tragedies come because we make dumb choices in life. That, that, that happens. Sometimes tragedies come because people do bad things. Sometimes tragedies come because other people are doing bad things. I mean, you look at how many people are being shot in the big cities. Of random violence. I mean, people are mad and they're out angry and somebody just happens to be coming by, sometimes it's kids, and bam, they're, they're shot. Well, there you're suffering from the hands of other people. And sometimes we don't know why it comes, it just happens. That's just the nature of the world that we live in. There are tragedies, there's heartache, there's hardships, there's uh, trials, tribulations, problems. It's just the nature of the world we live in. But it, but it sometimes happens. And so there was no cause for Job to receive any of this. And Satan answered, again, slandering, defaming the character of, uh, of Job, kind of throwing, throwing off on him and malicious, malicious uh, palabras, that's Spanish, malicious words. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, all the man has, he'll give for his life. I mean, you touch his health and boy, he'll... Bam, he'll just give up whatever. I mean, if it means giving up faith in God, he'll do that also if, if he thinks it'll help him. Put forth uh, your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to your face. I mean, he's just going to shake his hand and, and just say, I hate you, God. And he's just going to speak all this uh, blasphemous words and he's just going to deny the Lord, etc., etc. Well, so Satan thinks. He's just slandering Job. It's not so. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. It's like, okay, it's like, okay, Satan, you can go this far. I mean, you can touch his life, but not, but you can't, you can't take his life. I mean, you can touch his flesh. You can bring these hardships, these problems. You can only go so far, but then stop. It's an interesting concept. That God allows, sometimes he permits things to happen. And Satan, of course, is eager to do that, but, but you can only go this far, and that's it. I've thought about this, this passage here in verse 6, with all the COVID stuff going on. And it, it just, this is just my opinion. But you look, it's, it's, the majority is the very, very old that die from this. And it's almost like the little kids are like exempt. It's like, 
It's like Satan wanted to do this, and God says, okay, Satan, you're allowed to do this, but just kind of leave the kids alone, the little kids. And it, to me, it just, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know. That, that's kind of my opinion about it. But, but anyway, it, but it is this, this concept here. All right, so verse 7 says, So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot into the crown of his head. And so he's got all these boils all over him, these little eruptions, skin eruptions. And they hurt. Kind of like uh, people that get shingles, uh, the chicken box virus that comes out you know, a lot of times during stress and older age. This virus sort of lives in your body and then, then it breaks out in, in the shingles. And, and some people really suffer a lot. And these, these sores, it can be on your hand, it can be on your face, it can be on your stomach, your torso. And they're really painful. I've heard. My mother-in-law, remember, she had them. And they, they were really painful. It happens. But here, all the way from the crown, from the top of it, all the way down, so it's got, got all these boils all over him. And he took himself a potsherd, that is a piece of broken pottery, to scrape himself with, and he sat down among the ashes. And so he would like scrape, scrape the, the, the ooze that would come out and, and the pain and, and, the, and the suffering that... Uh, came on. Oh, I'm down on this PowerPoint stuff here. <clears throat> All right. Uh, okay. Then we pick up in verse 9 about the wife of Job. Now, you might remember, this is just a question just on the size. You might remember the name of Job's wife. You might remember her name. You do. You, you could. You, I see a lot of shaking. No. Well, it's easy. It's Mrs. Job. <laughs> That's a little, little joke. But, but it is true. It is true. Mrs. Job. Now, Mrs. Job, it's like, okay, he's lost all his kids. He's lost all his good workers. He's lost all his money. Now he's lost his health. And you think, well, his wife will be a help meet. She'll be there to support him. Well, she has foolish words to say in verses 9 and 10. Then said his wife unto him, Do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. Now that's, that's always what Satan wants when he brings afflictions and problems, tribulations that come our way. He wants us to just throw in the town, just give it up. Just curse God, blame God for uh, what's happening in your life. And she said, Won't you just curse God and die? But he said unto her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. So Job wasn't going to buy into this stuff to curse God, to, to be mad at God, to be angry with God. You know, sometimes things are good and sometimes things are tough. That's just the nature of life. Isn't that the nature of life? I mean, are, are we missing it? Doesn't that happen in life? I mean, people, they, they want to talk about, you know, we, we need to stop this and we need to stop that. Well, there are just some things you, you just don't stop in life. And that's like sickness and dying. I mean, we, we, we battle against sickness and we try to have good health, but ultimately we lose the war. Of life and death. That's the nature of the world we live in. And so don't think that somehow we can we don't we can avoid all sickness and death and dying. We, we, we can't. So you think about this. Oh, he's lost all his great wealth. 
He lost all his good helpers. He lost all his kids. He lost his health. And now his wife is speaking stupid stuff to him, not being a help me, not being supportive of him, and saying these things, being a stumbling block, or saying, well, won't you just curse God and die? And you think that's the end of it? Then, beginning verse 11, then his friends come. And I put that in quotation, his friends come. Now, when Job's three friends heard all this evil that was come upon him, this tragedy, this calamity, sometimes when the Bible uses the word evil, it's not moral evil, but calamity. That's the point of clarification. So all this calamity has come upon him. And there came everyone from his own place. Eliphaz, the Temanite, and uh, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite. For they had made an appointment uh, together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. That's great. Wonderful. Uh, You know, when times are tough, you know, sorrows come, death comes. I mean, it's nice when, when brethren and friends come to give comfort. Great. They're doing great by their coming. Sometimes you just don't have to say anything. Sometimes that'll be sufficient, just your presence, because you're there because you care. Sometimes you think, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Don't have to worry about whether saying anything. Just being there. Being there means a lot. Whether you, whether you say anything, just, just being there means a lot. I know it. And you probably experienced it too, that you've lost loved ones and just people showing up. I mean, it, it just means a lot them being there. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, for they tore everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon the heads toward heaven. And so they, it's like, you know, there's Adam sitting back there. And, you know, I, I said, yeah, it's kind of, it looks like Adam, but then he's got all these sores, but it doesn't look like Adam. And he just looks miserable, looks horrible. And they just, oh, they can't believe their eyes that here's Job and he's got all these sores from head to toe and all these crowns sitting there in the ashes and he's scraping and all these sores are just oozing. And so they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights and none spoke a word unto him and they saw that his grief was very great. Well, yes, his grief was great. I mean, look at all that he lost. He lost all his wealth, his possessions. He lost his good workers, his servants. He lost all his kids. He lost his health. He, his wife wasn't being supportive there. Yeah, he was in grief, very great grief. Well understood. And for seven days and nights, they sat there, and that would have been a comfort. But then when you begin in chapter 3, in the following chapters, there's these discourses that go back and forth. And basically what the three friends do, they come with the philosophy, with the thinking, well, piety pays and perversity punishes. Well, he was well blessed with a lot of blessing and prosperity. He was doing well. That's when he was doing good. And somewhere he must have did something really, really bad because, I mean, 
you know, perversity punishes. Sometimes perversity does punish. Wasn't the case with Job, but sometimes it does. Oh, I've read stories, talk with people, and uh, be very successful financially, but then do a lot of stupid stuff. And next thing you know, they lose all their wealth. Next thing you know, they're in uh, drinking and alcohol and just despair. And, you know, it's kind of self-inflicted by making a lot of dumb choices. But the philosophy of the three friends was piety pays and perversity punishes. And so they're kind of talking with Job and they're just speaking and talking to him, trying to get him to, you know, come to repentance and just, you know, just, Job, if you just sort of confess up, maybe the Lord will let, let off on you. And when you come to chapter 16 and verse 2, Job says, uh, verse 1, and Job answered and said, I've heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. For seven days they were comforters. They didn't say anything. But when they began to moralize and began to speak to him and kind of preach to him that Job, you know, you, you must have done something really bad or this stuff wouldn't have come upon you. And if you just, you know, if you just acknowledge it before the Lord, maybe the Lord would be merciful, etc. Well, he couldn't do that. He hadn't done anything wrong. He hadn't done anything wrong. He hadn't done great wickedness. He hadn't sinned. He had, I mean, you just, you read all through the book of Job, and Job still scratches his head, can't figure it out. Don't know why all this has befallen him. That's because there was this cosmic conflict between Satan and God, and God was allowing these things to take place, that God was showing uh, showing us ultimately, because it's all recorded, for us to learn and gain from the example of Job. And so you read through the book of Job, and then you get to where God begins to speak there. I think it was in chapter 38. And what do you have? God asks all these questions. Questions about the lower creation. And can anybody answer those questions? Can anybody explain how God made the mountains? Can anybody explain how God made the planet Earth? How He made the moon? How He set it all in, uh, set it all in motion? Can anybody explain about how the animals and how, how these birds can fly thousands of miles, never flown it before, they're, they're hatched in an egg, and they can fly the same route? Can anybody explain all that? Not me. I don't have enough intelligence to explain all that. It's evidence of an intelligent creator, really. And the point is, of God asking all these questions, it's like, well, if you can't answer the simple, how are you going to answer the more complex? Because suffering in the world is a very, very complex uh, question to answer. We live in a very complex world. I mean, just throw out this illustration. Here you've got a couple of farmers. Here's one farmer. He's planted soybeans. And corn, and they're just growing, you know, pretty good, but it, it's kind of dry. And he's praying for rain. And here's the farmer over here. He needs to get his hay cut, and he needs dry weather. So here's a here's a here's a farmer. He's praying for dry weather, and here's one praying for rain. Well, how do you answer that? How do you deal with both of those? See how complex things can be in the world that we live in. And that's just a simple illustration. I mean, the world is, is extremely, extremely complex of how things take place in planet Earth. And so these three friends, which would have added more pain to Job, because he called them miserable comforters, but Job continues to maintain his integrity. 
His steadfastness, his faith, his service to the Lord. And that's just a tremendous, tremendous lesson for us to get a hold of. And then we come to chapter 42. And notice there in chapter 42, in verse number 10, when all this is over, and I don't think that this was just kind of like a short thing, you know, a couple of weeks and it was over. I mean, they sat with him for a full week. You know, they heard, so that would have been a few days for them coming. I take it it probably lasted for a few weeks, maybe a couple, three months, years, probably not years, but, but I think for, for several weeks maybe. All this suffering of, of the boils and all the ill health and all that. But then ultimately God blesses. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. I mean, you calculate all the animals on the figures we suggested, five million, now he's got ten million dollars worth of animals. Drop on down in the text there in verse 13. And he had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first uh, Jemima, and the name of the second Kazia, uh, uh, and the name of the third Karin uh, Hapuk. And all the land, there were no woman, uh, women uh, found so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brethren. And after this lived Job a hundred and forty years and saw his sons. So he got another set of children. And his son's sons, he got to see his grandchildren. Even the fourth generation. So he got to see his sons, his grandson, his great-grandsons, and his great-great-grandsons. For another 140 years after all this. And so Job died being old and full of days. One last verse for us to consider as we think about all this. And that's the patience of Job. Notice over there in the book of James chapter 5 and down in number 11. James chapter 5 verse 11. James says, Behold, we count them happy who endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. Question, are we to be patient because Job was patient? No. We're to be patient because Jesus commands patience. Job is an example. That, that's how the Testaments relate. You see, we find the principles that are bound in the New Testament, and then we go back to Old Testament examples. Jesus commands us to have patience and steadfastness. We look at Job as a great example. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen that the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and of tender mercy. The great lesson about Job for all of us, because, you know, we have our ups and downs as we go through planet Earth. I mean, we have good days and we're on the mountains and things are wonderful and great. And then sometimes we're deep in the valley and pain and sorrow and suffering. But through it all, ups and downs. Good times and bad times. We need to maintain our faith, our confidence, our trust in the Lord. And that God always does the right thing. And maybe we just don't understand. And maybe God explained. I think when God spoke, I think that was probably a big relief for Job. Just to think, God really hasn't forsaken me. I think, I think, he, just, I think he, he would just felt that, that God... Would, would And maybe ultimately God revealed. I mean, we understand what was happening behind the scenes. Sometimes we don't know why things happen. You know, we sing that song, you know, further along we'll know all about it. Yeah, sometimes that happens in life. 
Sometimes we just don't understand. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up, our youngest sister, she had cerebral palsy. I never did understand that. I always scratched my head wondering why, why, why my little sister was born and had cerebral palsy. She could never walk. She could never talk. She understood. She learned to shake her head no, and she'd look up and say yes. And so you could ask yes or no questions. And she, I mean, she would comprehend. She knew people and, and things like that. But I always wondered. I scratched my head. And as time went on, I figured out for me why she was that, that way. Because if she wouldn't have been in the household, you know, it could have been that my parents would have divorced. And me and my brothers, we'd all wound up in jail somewhere and just been hoodlums from a broken home. But because my little sister, my dad, and mom, they stayed together, and I learned a lot of important lessons looking at a, a crippled child. And it helped mold me for when the time come for me to learn the gospel that I accepted the gospel. And sometimes maybe we don't understand why things happen in this world, but ultimately, if we love God, it's all going to work out for good. That, that's the concept that we see in the Scripture. And sometimes we don't see the big pictures of things that are happening. We wonder why. Well, further along, we kind of figure it all out. And it kind of falls in place why things happen the way they happen. And that's just a very important concept is just to have patience in God. Have steadfastness. And don't ever give up on the Lord. And just keep serving Him all the days of our life. And to look at the great example of Job. Shall we go to God in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we just thank You for this great book. We thank You for Your great servant, Job. We thank You for the example that he sets and all the tremendous tragedies and heartaches that he went through. The tremendous grief that he suffered, but yet he maintained integrity in serving you and following you and trusting in you. Help us to have that same kind of faith, that same kind of trust, that we just want to love you and serve you and that maybe we don't understand, but we know that you're good and that you're benevolent and that you always do the right thing ultimately and that sometimes there are bigger, bigger things and bigger plans that maybe we don't see. But help us just to trust in you and to maintain our steadfastness and patience and endurance and, and just hang in there serving you always through all the days of our lives. That when we get to the end of the way that we can be found faithful and that we can be accepted in the day to come at the day of judgment. That we might hear those blessed words. Uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Help us to be the kind of people that we need to be. Thank you for Jesus the, who makes all things possible. Thank you for the congregation here. Thank you for our brothers and sisters everywhere. Just thank you for all that you do. Forgive us as we forgive others, for we ask all blessings and favors in Christ's name. Amen.